So we're coming to you live from Comic-Con in a very exciting kaiju camp out for the uh, Hall H Legendary Pictures panel. I'm sitting here with uh, Josh from uh, the Incoductic Podcast. Say hello. What up, guys? Ariane from Monster Attack Team Video. Was that what you'd say? Yeah, from Monster Attack Team TV. How's it going, guys? And uh, our good friend Chris Mowry from IDW Publishing, too. Hello, all. We're just discussing things that, that uh, we're looking forward to for this brand new, uh, brand new panel. But we, uh, we thought we'd get some crowd reactions. Sir, I know you've been hanging out here all night with us. What are you looking forward to at the, at the panel, the presentation tomorrow from Legendary Pictures? I don't think you could be more excited. Welcome to episode 89 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and uh, this is actually a bonus episode. One more bonus episode for 2013. Hopefully, I won't inundate the listeners with uh, any more than that. Basically, I went to San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, there was a whole bunch of Godzilla stuff, and I know you guys want to hear about it, so this is what this is. This is a bonus episode entitled Godzilla at San Diego Comic-Con. And because I don't like to ramble by myself, I brought my friend Joshua onto the show. Joshua is from the Incoductic Podcast. Uh, say hello, Joshua. How you doing, guys? Now, do the listeners a favor and tell them a little bit about yourself and who you are. Okay, well, I am a... Internet nobody from the depths of the internet. I run a nerd podcast called Inconductic, which I can plug right now if that's cool. Definitely. That's <laughs> why I'm asking you to do it, man. Uh, you can find us at Inconductic.com. It's I-N-C-O-D-U-C-T-I-C. Or Google it because the word doesn't exist outside of our podcast. And um, 
uh, it's started off as a gaming podcast, but it really quickly just kind of devolved into a nerd show. And with the Pacific Rim and Godzilla stuff coming up, it's pretty much just me talking about kaiju all the time while my co-host sister just doesn't understand anything. <laughs> that's a it's it's always it's good to have one person that knows about, about Godzilla on a podcast. That's the way I feel about it, at least. Oh yeah, exactly. Right on. So uh, now yeah. you have been to San Diego before for for Comic Con, right? Yeah, this is my third one. My first one was in '08, and then I went last year. Then I went this year. Oh, in fact, actually, for the listeners out there, Joshua donated a Meltdown SH Monster Arts Godzilla uh, to the to the KaijuCast HQ which is awesome. Thank you again for doing that, sir. No problem, man. I saw that thing and I'm like, I wonder if he's going to be there. And then it's totally like, no. So, okay, I'll send one forth. <laughs> yeah. It's sure a good thing. It's a good thing. They did not schedule uh, San Diego Comic-Con and G-Fest for the same weekend this year. They're close enough as it is. I'm I know. Just like, that's, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to, I went to both this year. So I, I've been like basically traveling, uh, for the love of Godzilla for the past like month, essentially it's yeah. like ridiculous, but that's how I want to spend my life, man. It's like yeah. pain searching for water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except I don't, I guess actually when I stayed in San Diego, I stayed with Chris Mowry, uh, from IDW publishing and he and the, the guys in there got me, uh, and, and tiger who went with me passes, which was amazing. And I cannot thank them enough either. And so actually, I guess I should say if you, if you have not checked out Rulers of Earth, the newest Godzilla title for Mighty W Publishing listeners, make sure you do so. Oh, it's good. I'm really liking that storyline so far. I told him that we're waiting in line. I'm like, yeah, this. I like where it's going. You guys are doing really well with it. Yeah, I, I really hope if it does, like they've got eight issues, and if it does better, I really hope that they will get extended. So, mm. Fan um, support, guys. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's what this is all about, man. Okay, so uh, let's actually get down to it. This is my first trip to San Diego Comic-Con. I've been to other Comic-Cons before, and uh, thank goodness that there's a Godzilla movie coming out, because usually those Comic-Cons, like Emerald City and uh, Rose City and WonderCon, are fairly devoid of anything remotely Godzilla. Like, sometimes you'll see the old Shogun Godzilla being sold from somebody's booth, or, or mm. you know, some. sometimes there will actually be one guy who sells Godzilla stuff. I want to say as I've seen a couple of guys sell stuff in, in some booths at various cons, but this was different. This was oh, a, yeah. a totally new experience for me from being at San Diego Comic-Con to actually, like, walk down the aisle. You know, you see the Legendary Pictures booth, and they have that little pane of glass on the on the side that says Godzilla, and it's got the tail on it. Yes, that poster is so sweet, and you're just you're just expecting to see more of them. It's just like so he's like he's not just a side show, or he's not <laughs> side show. See what I did there? Yeah, he's yep. not just like a, an, an errant vinyl figure you see at at a booth anymore. He's actually like front and center is one of the major features of this convention, and it happens to be Comic Con, which is like the granddaddy of conventions. So I'm like, this is huge. It's it's just a big deal. G fans should just have been there. That's how that's all I gotta say about it. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of Godzilla fans out there were upset because they want to see stuff that comes out of Comic Con, and we'll talk about it as much as we as we can uh, a little bit later. But man, it's difficult getting into that show is difficult. Just out of curiosity, Joshua, how did you get your tickets this year to Comic Con? Uh, my tickets. Okay, this is tough. So. 
I basically got grandfathered in because I went last year. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, it's a whole hell of a lot easier to get passes for the next year if you went the previous year. So it's it's kind of like because me and my friend who were there, we were just we, were, we kept talking about how people were able to consistently get tickets because like for general sales, they sold out in like 20 minutes or something mad like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Totally and crazy. Then, so they opened early pre-sale for people who went last year as long as you had like an ID that could prove that you went in the year before. And we're just like, okay, let's get our tickets. So that's the only way. The, when I got them last year, it was complete fluke. I waited in line like everybody else, and I only got tickets for Sunday and Thursday, <laughs> which are like the dead days. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, as long as I went, I was available. I was eligible for next year's presale, which is how I got in this year. But for the most part, if you get in one year and you want to keep going, don't stop because then you lose like your rights to get the early presale. Yeah, I think uh, Keith Foster from uh, Big Pimp Jones and the Kadoja. Uh, CDs. The I think he t he sort of mentioned that too. Like once you're in, there's definitely a factor of like I've got to go to this every year because it's fun and exciting. But then there's that added aspect of it where it's like I have to go to this every year so I don't get screwed over like two years down the road after I've I've missed one of them. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh that's intense. <laughs> I can't even imagine going every year to San Diego Comic Con. Uh, but it's this was yeah, pretty I'm cool. Take a break after this year. This this is madness. <laughs> There's too damn many people now. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. And, you know, I will say that a lot of people tried to warn me ahead of time. They were like, eh, you're never going to be prepared for the the insanity that is San Diego Comic-Con. I'm happy to report that I was completely prepared for it. I mean, all the photos that I've seen online and the horror stories that I've heard from people about not being able to move during the, you know, during the show and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, because the, the aisles are so jam-packed. I've already experienced that somewhat, you know, just on a smaller scale with stuff like Emerald City in Seattle. So yeah. uh, it was it was good that I wasn't completely overwhelmed by how many people were there. It was just really, yeah. really I kind of a fun, fun time. I swear is like 50% reputation. It's yeah. really not that overwhelming <laughs> yeah. once you start walking. Maybe like your second day when you've walked around and you start memorizing where stuff is like, yeah, it's not so bad. It's just like volume of people, really. Yeah. Like part of the hype machine of San Diego Comic-Con is the actual hype machine yes, of San Diego Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about like what did you see Godzilla stuff as you as you were just kind of walking around the show floor? Okay. Well, um, as, as I said before, this is my third Comic-Con and I, I, I go to conventions all the damn time. So um, I recognize a lot of the vendors. And I recognize a lot of their wear. So I, I see a lot of people who are carrying the same stuff, like the diecast Absolute Zero Mecha Godzilla and just random vinyls and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see too much from the legendary Godzilla, which is what I went for, uh, except for that poster that was a legendary. And um, the experience, obviously, but we'll get to that. But um, it was pretty... It was pretty it was pretty subdued, really. Like there wasn't a lot of he, he didn't have an overwhelming presence at Comic Con, despite the fact that he was kind of a meant to be an overwhelming presence. You know what I mean? Because he's like he's I guess he, he wasn't top bill, but he was definitely like there were people there who I did talk to people in the street. And I'm like, hey, are you guys here to check out? What are you guys here for? And I, I I've had people for the first time that I've been going to Comic Con telling me, oh, I'm here looking at Godzilla. Nice, that nice. Blew my mind. I'm like, that's crazy. It's 2013 and people are just like yeah i'm here to see you know big g just do his thing in the new movie i'm like that makes me really happy to think about that's and, awesome yeah but uh, like as far as um like merchandise and i guess promotional stuff there wasn't too much of it it was pretty it was pretty subdued like it, which was good because i guess that's part of legendary's whole thing is they're trying to keep it subdued you know just to kind of just to, i just you know the hype machine again just to build hype for it but 
it always made me laugh because Godzilla's already he's 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 a world renowned character right now. So I mean, all you really have to do is say we're making a new movie, and the hype's already set. Yeah. Well, I think you know, uh, and we can actually talk. I'd like to talk a little bit about the size of the Legendary Pictures booth. Yes. Uh, in and I don't know. This is pontification, purely speculative uh, on my part. I have absolutely no sort of information to back this up. But um, as we know. Legendary Pictures and Warner Brothers are splitting. They're parting ways. And so uh, when I saw the size of like the the major studio booths, mm-hmm. like like the Lucasfilm booth was massive and the yeah. Fox booth was huge and the uh, the Warner Brothers booth was really, really quite quite large, a little yeah. set up a little weird, but still pretty cool. And the legendary booth, um, the best way I can describe it for the listeners, if you've ever been to a convention, a, you know, sort of world-class, large-scale convention, every sort of uh, city block-style booth or uh, section of the, the show floor, if you think of that as like one piece of a footprint, you know, that's the kind of thing that you get, like something like Lucasfilm takes up you know, 20, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but like, let's just say like a 20 square foot area or square uh, footprint area of the convention. And Warner Brothers had this large booth. And when you went to go look at Legendary's booth, it was essentially half of one of those blocks. And the other half was the Adult Swim day spa that they had set up. I'm not going to lie. I walked past Legendary's booth four times looking for it on the first day. Yeah, like, I'm like, where is this thing? And like, I, I honestly thought they jammed it into a corner somewhere, which was kind of the case because I rounded the corner of the Adult Swim booth. And I'm like, oh, there it is. But yeah, it part like, of me thinks that was like punishment, like Legend, like <laughs> because I saw pictures of Legendary's booth from last year, and it mm-hmm. looked a lot bigger. Don't know for sure if it was, but it looked bigger, and it just made me think <laughs> like Warner Brothers is like, ha! oh, you young upstarts with your wanting to leave our ways. Like, you're going to go to Comic-Con, sirs, but you will be over here. You're going to be on the backside of the Adult Swim day spa. <laughs> it just really didn't make any sense to me, but it was cool because they did have some Pacific Rim stuff on display, in addition to having a massive screen sort of above, like way above your eye level, so you could see whatever they were playing from probably pretty far away unless another booth was blocking it but they had you know the sign from the kaiju wall up on display like as sort of the backdrop for one one of the walls and they had i think it was stacker pentecost's jaeger suit from back when he saved mako and then mako's uh costume as well those were on display i thought that was pretty awesome oh and they also had uh, hannibal chow's shoes and his butterfly knife and his sunglasses <laughs> And there were a couple of people I knew who were like, I didn't even see those because they were really tucked away. They had to. They didn't have a lot of space for things. But yeah, and and basically they had there. I would say if you had to gauge, you know, what they had on display, Pacific Rim was what they had on display. They had the 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 wall um, sign. They had the costumes. They had um, a whole bunch of featurettes playing, or they had a a few featurettes playing. One of which is amazing. Uh, And then. They also had the Pacific Rim video game <laughs> that you could go and play. I was really, I did actually play that. And um, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't have all the Jaegers unlocked and all the Kaiju unlocked because I, there's only so many times I can try and kick somebody's butt with Gypsy Danger or Leatherback. You spent a lot of time in that booth, though, didn't you? I sure did because they were giving, okay, so this is another thing I want to talk about. Like, 
a whole bunch of people were telling me beforehand, oh, there's giveaways. Everybody's giving stuff away. And uh, I guess what I when I heard that, I thought that meant like you could just go to the booth and be like, hey, I'd like one of those Godzilla flyers and they'd hand you a Godzilla flyer or something like that. But in the reality of the situation, what they were giving away this time was shirts. Yeah. Which were cool. They were the Pacific Rim Jaeger shirts. So they had one for each Jaeger given away one of each day of the convention. And then they also had, uh, they were doing um, giveaways for the the lanyards for the Godzilla encounter. And I really, really, really wanted a Crimson Typhoon shirt. I went and I tried to get one. I did unsuccessfully, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, and then like later on in the day, I was like charging my phone and I got a tweet. Uh, I, you know, I have like turned notifications on it. Here's the thing. If you go to San Diego Comic-Con and you want to win something specifically from somebody that you, you know, like a booth or something, and they'll tweet it out, like turn your mobile notifications on so you'll get a text message. You don't actually have to check Twitter all the time. Anyway, so I ran. I saw the tweet that said, giving away Crimson uh, Typhoon shirts in 15 minutes. I don't even think I finished reading. I think I, I saw giving away crimson and i just was like like bolted down the escalator there was a kyle shaped cloud of dust <laughs> where i was standing upstairs in the middle of nowhere of that convention uh anyway i made my way pretty pretty quickly <laughs> to the to the booth and got in line and i was able to get a shirt sweet yeah those shirts are cool you were showing me at the con like i mean they're so simple looking but you know just the fact that it's a new movie, it's a kaiju movie, and it's Comic-Con swag. It's just like, you know, desirable for days, of course. Oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, there wasn't a ton of Pacific Rim stuff. Um, I know we're we're supposed to be talking about Godzilla, but Pacific Rim totally counts because there's kaiju involved. And exactly. I was really surprised that there just wasn't very much in the way of Pacific Rim things. There were some posters you could get, and people had the figures. And the coolest thing I saw for Pacific Rim at someone's booth was... Um, Ruby's the the company that makes costumes. They had a knife head, latex mask, and hands that you could buy. And I actually got a photo of some kid who had purchased them, and he put them on for me and and showed me. They were pretty cool, uh, but also really weird looking because it was like a kaiju disguised as a human with like human clothes on and stuff. The uh, the sideshow stuff that they were showing. Uh, that's the sideshow collectibles booth for. Uh... For Pacific Rimmer was pretty cool. The Gypsy Danger. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was Slattern was the other one they had. Yeah, it was. it's uh, Gypsy Danger and Knifehead and then mm-hmm. Striker Eureka and then the the end boss, the Category 5 Kaiju Slattern was the Slattern. one on display. But, man, you could not get a good photo of those things because the lights were so bright and reflecting off the glass. Anyway, those things are well out of my price range. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Three... Uh, $400, I don't, I don't think, I think that would actually top anything in my collection as far as like how much it's worth maybe, but. That's that's high-end X plus territory at that point. Oh my gosh, totally. (laughs) But anyway, so the legendary pictures booth and and getting swag. Yes, I spent, I did spend quite a bit of time either trying to get a free shirt or trying to talk to somebody about the Godzilla stuff or trying to get an extra pass for the Godzilla encounter. Just, I would say that I spent more time at the legendary booth than definitely any other booth in the the convention. 
convention. Even the Diamond Comics, the, the Diamond Distribution booth? Uh, I would say I probably did spend more time at, at Legendary's booth just from the all the waiting around. But I did gotcha. I spent a considerable amount of time at, uh, at Diamond. And that's a good segue, man. Let's talk about the Diamond booth. Yeah, man. Uh, in addition to having, uh, you know, some of the SH Monster Art stuff and the um, Revoltech figures on display as sort of like, hey, we're doing Godzilla releases. They also had these amazing X-Plus figures on, on the shelf, uh, which if you have not watched it, please do watch the video uh, yeah. where I interviewed Jesse Morgan from Diamond Comics and previews magazine he's a really good guy and took some time to not only speak about the godzilla line but was very patient and answered uh just about every question i had for the x plus stuff uh because i told i made the mistake of telling the x plus group that i was going to be talking to them and i was like hey you guys have any specific questions and then like 37 comments later i was like okay i gotta write all these down yeah what else do they have oh they also had the kyoto big guy on display like the gigantic like I want to say it's like a three and a half foot tall uh, Godzilla from 1989. And it's huge, massive, massive kit on display. I went back to that booth on Sunday morning because I was trying to talk to somebody too about uh, distribution stuff. And I got a different rep. And I think one of the things he asked is if I knew anybody who's interested in buying that because they were trying to let it go before the end of the show. And I'm like, I can ask, but I don't think of anybody offhand. I'll give you $20. Yeah, <laughs> like the gargantuan that fell down and broke his arm. Oh, man. It didn't break. This oh, thing, it just came out. That was Popped off, yeah. Okay. Oh, but the anyway. Gargantua Brothers, oh, my gosh. I'm so excited yeah. for that release. That's really awesome. Speaking of, of figures, I, I also saw quite a bit of stuff at the what is it, Bluefin Tamashi booth where they have the SH Monster Arts figures on display. They had a really, actually, I I don't want to say that it wasn't nice. It was nice because they had one sort of uh, almost a wall of displays that had, you know, Kiryu and the new 64 Godzilla. And on the flip side of that, it had, um, you know, some of the other guys in Destroya fighting burning Godzilla. And Biolante out there too. Yep, and Biolante in the '89. Yeah, they they looked great, but I'm I don't want to say disappointed, but the, the the previous years I've seen these elaborate displays with like cool dioramas that they've yeah. made, and and these were just a little tiny bit lackluster, but still cool to see. Uh, you know, Biolante is pretty large for for a monster arts figure. Yeah, it's huge, but like, I mean, yeah, I'm used to them putting them in like. Just kind of like having, a, like a, I guess, like a painted mural backdrop or something. But they were just kind of in mirrored glass cases this yeah, time around. Yeah, no buildings, no, uh, no representation of the uh, of the convention center <laughs> being smashed by Godzilla. I love that box. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. So those guys, and uh, what else did you see Godzilla related around the convention hall? Um, like various posters. I mean, the I mean, the big old T-shirt tower only had like one hoodie of them. Which is kind of, I mean, I guess, I guess it was kind of unrealistic of me because I'm like a super Godzilla fan. So I was going in there actively looking for stuff that might be different this year as opposed to other years. But oh, right, yeah, yeah. But it was mostly, it was mostly just the same levels of merch that I usually see. I mean, I, I went after the stuff that I knew was going to be there. Like you know, we were talking about uh, the Diamond Distributions and um, and Legendary. Um, I honestly kind of thought Legendary is going to have more Godzilla stuff at their booth, but then after one little walk around, I'm like, their booth just is not big enough to accommodate oh, totally, anything other than that totally poster. Totally not big enough, yeah. I, and now, I mean, the little triangle display <laughs> that they had was cool and everything, but yeah, I mean, I guess other stuff that I saw around the convention, there was, you know, some people were selling figures and some people like that. 
I saw the gigantic plush Godzilla. I saw a couple of those around, and I was kind of tempted to get one of those because I don't have one. But oh yeah, I think the cheapest one I saw was eighty bucks. So I was like, I don't need to spend eighty bucks on a plush figure. Anime Jungle had a whole bunch of X Plus figures, and Hobby Link Japan was there too, which I thought was pretty cool. I've, I've purchased many a toy from Hobby oh, Link Japan. That booth was like. <laughs> That's the biggest case of like I didn't go on it right away because they had a I didn't I didn't really want the seventy five X plus Godzilla until I saw him there for a hundred bucks and then I passed him up and I went back and he was gone I'm like you know what next time I'm gonna jump on it yeah but you know aside from merchandise you could buy there was one thing that I know we both want to talk about the Mondo T shirts I guess is what they technically is like Mondo mm-hmm. tees but they're they're well known these days for producing high-end artist designed posters of movies and they had a very special release at the show for a Godzilla poster which I believe was 24 by 36 yeah uh, if you're a framing art kind of nerd like myself and it was a lot of people saw it before the show even happened it was like sort of Godzilla's silhouette made entirely out of crushed buildings with like a reddish backdrop it was pretty cool it went on sale Saturday at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, you were with me right when we went over there yeah I, I you were walking past the legendary booth and I just kind of flagged you down because I was in line for passes for uh for the Godzilla experience and I guess like you let me know because I didn't know about the I didn't know about the sale of that Mondo was doing until you told me, which you know some super fan I am, <laughs> and we just kind of beelined for that booth, and that's when they told us about the line. <laughs> yeah, that was, and I was it was hilarious to me in in retrospect because I said, oh, it's like one thirty, it's too early, I don't want to stand around and try and wait for a line to form, and then we get there and the dudes point to the line, and it. It's so long (laughs) just to get a poster. I didn't go through and count how many people were there, but you know, by the time uh, I I, we arrived at one thirty, it was way too many people for me to want to just stand around and wait. Yeah, there's a ton of people there, and like, and they only made like less, maybe three hundred and seventy five total prints of the between the two posters, and I think the uh, the orange color one had fewer than the actual than the gray one did. Yeah, I don't. I didn't even pay attention to the release yeah. numbers. I just remember, like, I think, I, yeah, I think you're right, like three seventy five or two seventy five or something mm-hmm. like that. And just, I did not. I'm just not into it. <laughs> I I love Mondo posters, and there's some specific artists that they work with. I like their style, and I would love to buy something from them. But you know, half the people that get that stuff buy it so that they can resell it, and I'm not a fan of that at all. Yeah, not at all. So. Uh, when I saw the line, I was like, yeah, forget that. I'm not getting in that line. And I just kind of walked away. Yeah. It was like, I, I, I mean, I'm a kind of a glutton for punishment because I do the whole line thing and we'll, we're going to get to that in a second. But, um, I actually did go to the front and I asked them how many prints they had. And that's when I got the number. I think, I, I believe it was 375. And then I look back on the line. I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting one. <laughs> so this is pointless. I guess that's yeah. one thing that someone did did warn me about that I sort of wasn't really prepared for about Comic-Con is like standing in the lines. So oh, yeah. many lines all the time. And speaking of gigantic lines, because Hall H is the big to-do at, oh, yeah. uh, at Comic-Con, like... Uh, if you don't know what I mean, listeners, uh, Hall H is essentially like the biggest panel room that they have at the convention. And so that's where you get the major announcements. There are other large ones as well. Tiger went to Ballroom 20, and I guess that was pretty big. But Hall H is where 
Uh, I guess most of the major studios talk about their releases. And so, of course, Saturday morning at 10.30, the very first panel of the day in Hall H was Legendary Pictures and Warner Brothers and all of their releases for the oh, yeah. for the year, I would imagine. And probably beyond, right? Because some of the stuff they just announced that they haven't even started making yet, right? Yeah, um, because uh, I stuck around for the whole panel. Like, one of the things they announced was, like, the Warcraft movie that they're doing, and, like, there's not even a date on that yet. They just showed, like, a, was it, like, a mood setter? Is that what they were calling it? Oh, yeah, mood piece. Yeah. Mood piece, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, like, there's one from, like, Warcraft and stuff like that, but it's it's mostly stuff they have coming out in the next year and then just stuff that they really just want to get start to build hype for just to say that's in production. Well, the good news is that they they released the schedule beforehand so you can mm-hmm. see what's happening. And as soon as I found out when the Legendary Pictures panel was, I started making my plans for getting into that panel. And um, I was very unhappy when I found out that uh, you can't just get there at like five in the morning these days and expect oh, no. to get into the panel. You have to camp out overnight. And um, because I'd never been to the show before, I had a whole bunch of questions about what that actually entails. You know, is it literally like you're sleeping on a sidewalk? (laughs) You know, are you? (laughs) What is the deal there? And uh, yeah, so thankfully, I didn't have to do that by myself. Not only did uh, Tiger join me, but Joshua and his uh, temporary co-host for the (laughs) For your, yeah. your San Diego Comic-Con coverage, Jessica yeah. was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Mike Keller, who used to work with Monster Attack Team, and Arian, who does Monster Attack Team TV, and Chris Mowry as well from IDW. We all had sort of like a kaiju camp out, which if you heard the beginning of the show, that is what that is from. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we just kind of like got in line. I, I think I want to say that at 5.30, I went outside and checked out what was going on charged my phone because that's the other thing san diego comic-con drains my phone like nobody's business uh, of its battery life but so yeah so i'm I'm charging my phone kind of looking at what's going on and the last thing that they let in was a for friday night was a metallica teaser trailer i checked out the line saw what was going on and i was like well if i get in line now around like six six o'clock or so I was like, if I get in line now, I think I'll get a pretty good spot because there were really only about maybe 150 people ahead of me. And so then there was sort of like they said, okay, now you guys can actually get in the the actual line because what was there before, I suppose, was some sort of unofficial thing. Like the pre-line, yeah. The pre-line, yes. And so they had these tents set up, like uh, canopy tents that were in these big, long lines. And I don't want to get into the entire like diagramming of how this went, but basically... They had all these tents there, so, you know, if, I guess, if it was hot and sunny, you would have some sort of, some protection, or if it was raining, you'd have some sort of protection. But basically, yeah. it's on a lawn, right? So there's there the lawn of the convention center, and people are lining up, and then as soon as, you know, you get into your spot in line, you just kind of, like, lock down as much space as you think you'll need. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just kind of create a radius for yourself and your party that's going to show up. Or yeah. Just, or just for yourself, just to be comfortable so you're not, like, sandwiched between two people who are stuck in sleeping bags, like, yeah. snoring up on each other. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I grabbed a little bit too too little of what we needed. Uh, we should have had maybe an extra three feet. Yeah. Because <laughs> things were pretty tight in there. Yeah. Uh, in our little uh, acre of of land that we had for a, for our party, but yeah. yeah, and you know, essentially, uh, 
Joshua and Jessica brought pizza, which was awesome because I hadn't oh, yeah. eaten anything that day pretty much. And, uh, and we just basically hung out and chatted for a while. Some people started falling asleep. Some people stayed up. And then eventually we all kind of were there and everybody was asleep. Uh, and then, uh, everybody was woken up <laughs> and yeah, it was kicked us all awake at like 5am. I think, uh, I think uh, Comic-Con security started getting people awake around then because like, Hey, we're going to start compressing the line. Um, so that, at that point it was a lot of like forward movement that wasn't really going anywhere. It was just us closing space with each other. Oh yeah. 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 And then it was, it was, it was just, it was a madhouse cause then it would, it would literally be, we would move 15 feet, sit down for 20 minutes, get up and repeat the process. Until yeah. We started letting people in. Have you, have you ever done that before? Have you waited in line for Hall H before? I have. I did it, uh, last year. No, in, oh, in 08, I think the last, the first time I went. Wow. It was, it was, it wasn't that bad though. Cause I mean, yeah, I, I'm, t- I'm talking about 2008, like it's forever ago, but it was like five years ago. Comic-Con wasn't nearly as bad. Like we got our tickets on site for crying out loud <laughs> for Comic-Con. Like that's unheard of now. I guess like if you'd camped out that time of day for Hall H back then, you would have just, you would have been like, what are you doing? You can come like three hours early and totally get in. But wait, like we did it anyway for the panel. I can't remember right now, but, but now it's good Lord. <laughs> what was that? We were sleeping and crashing in line and walking around charging phones, trying to find bathrooms. I think we were awake or just in some form of not total slumber for something like 15 or 16 hours. I, I timed it. Oh, just yeah. Just to get to this panel and like. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was <laughs> at least 16 hours for me. Yeah. And I know that like the sleep, I'm pretty sure if I had to add up the sleep, it would be about two hours, maybe two hours of sleep yeah. that uh, that we were going on. So. It's no no surprise that like when we start talking about the Godzilla stuff, my memory is going to be a little fuzzy, unlike <laughs> <Yeah>. the panel. <laughs> but uh, the <laughs> the funny part about like waking up and having to shift forward is it's that whole like hurry up and wait thing. I understand. <laughs> I understand they they compress the line for a reason. Totally yeah. get it. No problems there. But it seems to me like there should be like line compression and then it should just be no line compression until they start letting people in for the panel. Yeah, totally. And uh, at one point, Tiger and I went, uh, oh, with Arian to Starbucks to go get food, uh, to go get uh, coffee and, and a little bit of food. And the line for Starbucks was so long, <laughs> so long. And so... We're standing there in line, and I'm like, man, texting back to people like, are you sure you don't want anything? Like, <laughs> if, I'm, if I have to stand in line yeah. for this thing, like, Meanwhile, I want to make it worthwhile. You, I'm throwing you updates on Facebook chat whenever the line moves, like, five Yeah, feet. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so we finally get our coffee. We come back. As we're walking out of the door of Starbucks, we have a very clear view of the line, and it is just moving somehow. I don't know what they were doing. They are probably trying to do that thing where they're getting everybody, you know, compacting it and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. We were like, oh my God. And like, we ran to, to where you guys, we thought you guys were. And we were like, can you see them? Are they around? Are you, kids? you know, <laughs> we couldn't find you guys. And then all of a sudden, like, we looped back around and somebody was like, somebody whistled at us or something. And we were able to get in, and grab our stuff. But there was a moment of panic there where we were like, oh no, I hope they didn't let them in and they weren't able to, you know, dissuade them. But we were fine. We, we, we finally got in. Yep. And that's where the magic began. Oh, yeah. So what they started with was Seventh Son, which was fun and entertaining. And But the, the second movie was Godzilla, and that yeah. was super cool. Josh, how would you describe the screen setup in this room? Okay, um, so <laughs> probably the best way I could put it is like a ribbon. 
Seriously, they took because Hall H is like it's. I swear to God, Hall H is like an airplane hangar almost, and how big it is. I've so heard have, that it's the 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 seating area is the size of a football field. Yeah, it's oh my god, it's enormous. Like, I think I think comfortably can sit like six thousand people, but if you really want to squish people in, it could probably sit close to eight. It's it's, it's massive, but so this they have this this huge wall, and then they have the panel table, the panelist table at the very front, and this wall opens like there's of course there's the main screen and then these two screens on either side of it that open up and it literally looks like a just this big a ribbon is the way i could say it just kind of stretches all from all the way from the left side to the center and all the way to the right side yeah it pretty much encompasses your field of vision Mm -hmm. yeah totally and then the godzilla panel because i'm just i just want to jump into it it's like because me and me and jessica were just elbowing each other wondering what was going to happen and i was just like i was talking to you about it and then the mushroom cloud just goes off on the screen like yep okay this is what we're waiting for yeah so they showed like a tiny little like it was almost like a little intro animation there was no way for you to question what was coming up you know oh, yeah, <laughs> so they had like it, so for seventh sun they had some cool numbers fly up with like ash flying and and embers you know floating around but for Godzilla, when you know they had these two gigantic, uh, they had your main screen and then your two sort of long side screens. Uh, you actually had sort of a, uh, you know the the word Godzilla and the kanji saying Gojira behind it mm-hmm. on either side of the big main screen, and that big main screen is what showed like a beach, and it looked like super old, like black and white shaky uh jittery footage and then the mushroom cloud goes off and yeah. uh then they were like yep we're here for godzilla <laughs> <laughs> they did a bit of an intro i believe and then they they played us the the teaser from not the teaser the mood piece the from mood last piece year. yes and uh, that was yours yeah. and my first time seeing it like i'd never seen it because I, I think I, I think that was everybody's in our group's first time oh, seeing yeah, it yeah, right totally. Because, like, I want to say, like, the collective group, when they said, yeah, we're going to show this, like, Chris Hardwick was was moderating the panel, and he's like, yeah, I think we just wanted to show this, and everybody in our row went, yes! Yes, totally. Yeah. And then we saw it, and beside myself is probably the only word I can, the only term I can, it was ridiculous. I was kicking myself in the butt wondering how I missed this last year. (laughs) Okay, so I was at G-Fest last year, the same weekend as Comic-Con, right, and I don't know when the panel happened, but there was it was almost like someone flipped a switch at G Fest. People were like whispering about the Comic Con Godzilla teaser. No one had, of course had seen it because it was not on the internet. It was just, you know, people talking about it. Like seriously, at one point, I wanna say uh Jeff Horn, although I'm not you know, exactly sure if that's who it was, somebody from G Fest uh actually plugged in a laptop during one of the panels and uh played a YouTube video that was someone describing the teaser. Oh, wow. And so that's the sort of level of anticipation that that uh, that people have had for this trailer. They've just been salivating for it. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, you know, why has this not appeared on the Internet yet? Oh, yeah. You know, this is... This is crazy. This is in this digital age where everybody's got tiny computers in their pockets. Uh, how did this not get on online? And typically my response back is, well, you know, that's just, uh, 6,000 super trustworthy nerds, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, uh, but seeing it, there was no way to it really prepare myself for how amazing it actually was. Uh, and I'm sorry that it is not available online because 
who it was powerful it yeah, was dude. very cool i mean you can read descriptions and hear what people have to say about it um but man there is just i don't even i don't even want to describe it because it's already been described so yeah totally uh, actually that's what that's the thing i wanted to ask you kind of going back to it so cuz you were at gfest during comic con last year yeah was there already kind of a fever pitch building about the fact that there may or may not be a rumored Godzilla, Godzilla reveal at Comic-Con? Like, were people kind of in hushed tones talking about it at G-Fest? Or? Not before it happened, because I think last year it took everybody by surprise. But, like, yeah, you know, I guess there was there was definitely a part of me that was like, well, you know, I, I could either go to Comic-Con or I could go to G-Fest. And I don't think they're going to show anything from Godzilla, because I know they haven't shot anything for Godzilla, because I think yeah. at the time they were still... Still going through their uh, litany of uh, of screenwriters that they had, you know, just in line to yeah, right. to to get on board the project, and so I was like, eh, Comic Con next year, G Fest this year, and so uh, when they did show something, it was completely shocking. But the the news resonated obviously with the Godzilla fans and. And people went into super speculation mode for and started talking about it. But I think by the end of G Fest, someone had posted the uh, the photo that everyone's seen, where it's like taken of one of the probably secondary screens in the back from a super low angle. So it's like this terrible image of of just Godzilla's silhouette head. I, the one thing I will say, I I do want to say about this because it was not conveyed to me when I was reading this stuff was that. When you finally sort of see that the monster is taking shape in the background, and, mm-hmm. and you know where they've there's a whole bunch of smoke, a whole bunch of dust, and then you think you see Godzilla, something comes out of the the dust and the smoke, and it turns out that that massive thing is just his arm, you know, and that sort of like I think it crushes a building or swats at a building, and then the camera pans up. Uh, up his spine sort of but still very shrouded in smoke and dust and then you see how freaking big he is and it was just oh my gosh it was awesome super cool i really hope that they release that on the blu-ray uh although you know it's one of those things where godzilla and the license is very hard to get around things and toho is very strict about what gets put out yeah very much so um part of me is concerned that you know that Someone at Toho or or Legendary is like, no, we can't release this because that's not actually what Godzilla looks like. Or we, even though you can't really see what he looks like, you know, they're just making a decision like, let's not put this out there because I think if they put this on the internet, they would get millions of views on it. Oh yeah, millions. I mean, it's this is a huge deal, and like, I went nuts for it when I saw it. Yeah, it's it honestly. It, you can honestly claim because of how little was known about it at the time that it was like something a fan put together. Like seriously, it's just it's it's just it didn't have like a rough feel to it, but there was like zero information about it. But it had it had all the elements. Like there was the destruction, there was the um, there's the the I think it's the Oppenheimer quote. Yep, Oppenheimer, and, yeah. And it was just it was just ridiculous. And then they pan up the monster, and then it just says Godzilla, and that seriously looks like some of the like the more well done fan trailers that are out there right now. And they could have used they could I mean even those things build hype. So just just put that out there right now because you know production's done. 
you know, uh, well, not production, but pr- uh, principal photography is done. Principal photography is finished. Yep, yeah. they finished it. They two days before Comic Con flew straight from Hawaii to yep. San Diego. <laughs> we probably need to move on to yeah. the actual trailer. Uh, mm-hmm. So here's what I'm going to do because uh, I just spent a lot of time talking. Joshua, do me a favor. Take me. Okay. Don't take me through the panel stuff because uh, you can actually find a lot of that stuff online. The actual panel where Chris Hardwick is talking to Gareth Edwards, Elizabeth Olsen, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Brian Cranston. That was hilarious. A lot of fun. But then they did show uh, the footage that they showed us, of, like teaser trailer, if you will. So. Tell me what you remember about that. Don't don't be okay. afraid to like go from start to finish too. I was gonna, but it's my 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 memory's gonna blank because I mean also sleep deprived state, and I was in such a hype buzz at that point that I probably could have been seeing anything. From what I remember, it comes in to scientists running through a lab, um, and then Brian Cranston's character takes his mask off, and there's a lot of just like quick shots of the characters and. And just like cityscape and stuff. I mean, like, seriously, it's super. The stuff that stands out to me is, of course, the monster bits, which takes me to the, and I, I know people have described this a million times on the internet already, is the, uh, the airport scene where there is a monster, an unnamed monster, who looks kind of lanky, looks kind of non threatening, <laughs> tearing up an airport. And just, he, he kicks an airplane or something off to the right. And through the fire explosions and mess, it starts scaling over, and you see this foot just come down. And it's it's got that it's got that rough texture, that, that tree bark look to it. I was a little alarmed by it because just personally speaking, because the toes were a little weird to me, because it looked kind of like a big like elephant style foot. Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember seeing that and it was just I'm like, okay, so and I knew in the back of my mind that we weren't gonna see him. Of course we weren't gonna see him. <laughs> but now that sucks, man, because I, I was on the opposite side of that. I totally thought that we were gonna get the full reveal of the monster. Um I'm not gonna say that that was told to me by other people because that mm-hmm. wouldn't exactly be correct. But the, the basic feeling that I got before going to the convention was that when I left San Diego, I was going to know what Godzilla looked like. Right. And that's not exactly how it went down. <laughs> it's not really how it went. It was, if anything, it added more to the speculation of how it looked, how he's going to look. <laughs> like yeah. Everything we saw there. And I remember just this, I mean, I can't even remember this, what this monster looked like. Like, it looked like a weird praying mantis bug type of thing. Yeah, I actually had to draw it to, to mm-hmm. sort of remember what it looked like. I drew it, I sketched it up, and I sent it to uh, Chris Mowry. And I said, what do you think, man? Do you think this is this is what we saw? And he sort of said yes. Like, so it's essentially sort of like a, yeah, it's an insectoid bug. But this thing is huge. I mean, this is what I've been telling people. Yeah, the bug is huge. The bug is the size of what I would normally consider to be a Godzilla monster size. You know, like, right. uh, and so definitely consider that to be the giant monster size that American uh, audiences would be able to accept. Like that was the that was the bug size, right? This right. this big bug monster. And, and like the, when I say praying mantis, I don't mean it like a kamakurasi kind of way. It was just like it, it like it had like a. It had like a beast. Like it didn't have an insect face. It had like a like a lizard, like a lizard face, like a saurian face. Really? Okay. And that's what I remember. I remember it having like a bug face. Yeah. See, I remember it having sort of like a pointed face, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, you just have to see it again, I guess. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, I should get nice. somebody to hip. I should pay someone to hypnotize me so I could just relive that moment over and over and over again. <laughs> if that's oh god, I wish that was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, play it over and over. But uh, and anyway, what I will just add to that is like when the foot comes down, you know, the foot looks huge, but then they yeah. cut back to the creature, and then all of a sudden the spines start coming up from behind the creature, and then you realize that that creature is maybe about. As tall as Godzilla's hip. They just keep going and he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's sort of where, like, I think my brain went into overload and I don't really remember much after that. I remember one of the last scenes of the trailer being this monster sitting on top of a wreckage of something. I, I can't think of it. I don't know if it was a building or a plane or whatever. And there's just like smoke and dust behind it from a destroyed building. And from behind it, you see this, this torso and these arms turn around. And again, it's just like this, like this, the difference in scale is like massive. I'm like, how is this thing going to stand up to him? Yeah. <laughs> like this, there's no chance. And it's, but it's enough of a, it's enough of a, a look where, you know, I mean, you, I mean, if you didn't know you were looking at a Godzilla trailer, that would be like the finite thing that proved it. Cause it's got like, it's got like the four fingers. It's got the big kind of a, like the big, I don't want to say ripped muscle chest, but it did have, it, it was very indicative of what he looks like from like the neck down sort of. Yeah, and, and you can I definitely tell, that. like, I absolutely saw, like, the texture, like, Godzilla's skin texture, without a mm-hmm. doubt. Like, the ridges and the bark-like texture absolutely showed through. So it's just, like, there was no doubt in anybody's mind that we're looking at, we're looking at Godzilla right now. But oh. it's it's just the the scale is what got me so much, because he is, if, if those are meant to be his opponent monsters for this movie, then he's just going to tower over these things and completely... Like overpower them, which you know I think is cool because he's meant to be the star of the movie. Again, I don't know anything about where they're going to take the plot of the movie. I don't think anybody does really. Well, I know but, there was like a treatment released online, like some something leaked, but I'm not reading that because I don't want it to be yeah. real and like ruin the movie for me. Funny uh, side story about that. My friend Mark, he put himself on a self-imposed media embargo for Pacific Rim because he wanted to know nothing about it going into it. And that's kind of what I want to do with Godzilla. I mean, because I'm, I'm going to take anything I read about that movie on the internet with a, like, not a, I'll take it with a tablespoon of salt, the hell with a grain. But yeah. like, I'm going to try my best not to know what's going on. But like, oh, yeah. you know, when it came to Pacific Rim, I just couldn't stop myself from watching a majority of those trailers. It was, mm. I had to like, actually stop myself and like one point, like tell Kyle to not watch these things anymore. It's like, that's the last one I need to see. Cause if I see anything else, it's going to give away too much. Uh, but let's, let's talk about the other big thing. Cause after the, after they showed that stuff, I hauled out of there. I didn't need to see anything else. And so right after that, they had a signing at the booth where, where, uh, you could have gotten, if you had a ticket, like they were handing out these autograph tickets. So if they, if you yeah. had a ticket, you could have had Gareth Edwards, Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Olsen, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, I guess, sign your stuff. But I, I didn't even try and go. I did see Keith Foster and uh, his family in line, but I don't think they got stuff. I think oh, that wow. they, the stars ducked out too fast. Uh, but uh, I definitely wanted to talk about the other big thing at San Diego Comic-Con that was Godzilla-related. This is probably the big thing, actually, if you think about it, because, like, the panel's one thing, but this is a whole entity of itself. Yeah, for sure. And the good news is that a lot of people have already seen photos of this. Of course, we're talking about the Godzilla encounter.
future Kyle has returned. I bet you didn't think you'd hear me come back. I have something very cool to share with you. It's a little unorthodoxed, but I'm interrupting the chat with Joshua because I have a breaking news-style interview with someone from the Godzilla encounter. And I've got on the phone with me a gentleman by the name of Barnaby Legg. Barnaby, welcome to the Kaiju Cast. Pleasure to be here, Kyle. Nice to talk to you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And, uh, you know, I know that we talked about the, the Godzilla encounter via email, but a little bit how you got started uh, where you are. Sure. Um, it's always a little bit weird talking about myself because a lot of the work that I and uh, the team that I'm a part of is sort of designed to be kept behind the curtains, so to speak, of of, of the movie industry. Um, but I can tell you that um, I'm part of the 533 team. We're a, a global marketing agency, um, probably best known for uh, non-traditional, um, experiential, viral, outdoor, guerrilla um, style marketing uh, tactics uh, in association with um, you know large temple movies Alice in Wonderland and uh, Tron and Real Steel and Pacific Rim and those kind of titles um, but we are of course currently in the process and, and very happily uh, becoming part of the legendary family um, people who uh, have read about it in the press will know that 533 has been acquired by Legendary now uh, and we were thrilled and excited to have the Godzilla encounter be the first sort of uh, major project which uh, forged that partnership between 533 and Legendary. Well I can tell you on a very personal level that it was very exciting and impressive to go through the Godzilla encounter. I, I was able to go through twice and man I I just cannot express enough gratitude as a fan towards your company for for putting that much effort into it. Have you guys ever done anything like that big before? Because it seemed I don't think I've ever seen anything related to a film that was, you know, had an entire warehouse rented out where you put a, a miniature dis <laughs> right, <laughs> display of right, Tokyo right. streets on, on display. Right. Well, firstly, thank you for, for the compliment. It's wonderful to hear, you know, we do it for the fans and it's wonderful to hear from, from the fans that, that the experience was exciting and was all the things that we wanted it to be. Um, no, the simple answer is no. I don't think we, and I, I, I don't want to be too, uh, uh, you know, big headed about it, but I hope that the fans at Comic-Con haven't seen anything like what they saw uh, at the Godzilla encounter before. That was certainly um, part of the plan was to deliver something, you know, really big and that had the scale that honored this wonderfully iconic, epic character. Um, no, this is certainly just in terms of the work we've done in the past. This is absolutely the biggest thing that we've we've ever delivered in terms of um, fan events. Um, we were involved in a, a cool Alice in Wonderland initiative a few years ago, which was pretty large, um, which uh, fans got, got a chance to go down the rabbit hole to Wonderland. But, uh, yeah, this was a, a 10,000 square foot warehouse takeover, um, hugely complex to design, implement and install, um, but hugely gratifying to see uh, the payoff uh, for the fans when they got to walk through and, and see how excited they were. That was really what made it all worthwhile. So what was the pitch when someone came to you and approached you with this project? Like, how, did they just say, we want to do something cool with Godzilla or did they have uh, a larger like idea in mind that you you guys helped craft into the encounter kind of yeah i mean we've done a number of projects uh in the past uh for legendary um certainly nothing on this scale but um one of the things that always made it an excitement uh, an exciting partnership is that legendary have a very singular vision about what they want to do and uh, and what they want to achieve um and the concept was pretty simple legendary wanted to give 
a gift to the fans this year at Comic-Con and to share their passion because legendary are fans as well to share their and our passion for this iconic character, you know, and the near six decade legacy of, of the King of the Monsters. Um, so that was really what it was about initially. And yeah, of course there were a, a number of different, um, concepts that were, were pitched around. Um, and it was a very collaborative process. You know, this was something that came together through a lot of very smart people and a lot of very passionate fans talking about what was the best way to represent that legacy. Um, and I think the point that we really felt that we'd, that we'd cracked a way of doing it that felt different enough and exciting enough that we were actually going to push the button on it and make it a reality, um, was the point where we sort of, we hit this concept of you know, Godzilla is this character that has had a huge impact on pop culture for nearly six decades. What if you took that impact and you sort of physicalized it? You actually treated it as though it were a real impact, a real atomic monster attack upon the culture. Um, and then all these very exciting sort of creative opportunities leapt up. The idea of physicalizing this legacy through a, a fully realized Tokyo street, which, uh, Carl, you, you yourself will remember walking through, um, and imagining that, that Godzilla had, um, you know, unleashed havoc upon that street, had carved a path of destruction through there and left within his wake all of the, collectibles, the fan pieces, the figurines, the installations, the artwork that he has um, inspired over the decades. Uh, and once we cracked that as a sort of conceptual way into the idea, I think everyone involved in the project was was very excited and, and engaged to proceed with it in as, you know, uh, as compelling and as full a way as we possibly could achieve. Speaking specifically to the design of, of the actual Tokyo Street, I have to tell you, um, I'm, I'm in Portland. And I've been to Seattle to the EMP Museum and uh, the Experience Music Project, which is also, it also houses the Sci-Fi Museum. Whoever is their lead designer or their uh, their creative lead there does a really great job on uh, making their exhibits not just interactive, but also just have this really nice sense of design. And right. I, uh, I was very, very impressed with the lengths that you guys went to and the depths, I guess I should say, that you guys went to to uh to make the encounter not just kind of cool to show on display but to also uh really engage the the attendee and make sure that they knew uh that Godzilla isn't just you know facts and numbers there's this huge cool uh Eiji Tsuburaya mural and the fact that you guys had a TV shop called the Tanaka TV shop was just <laughs> so cool uh did, was that like did you guys design everything in house or was that uh did you have specific de designers working with you and pretty much, yeah. I mean, we're, we're very lucky. Um, you know, we've always had a terrific team, um, right across the board at 533 of, uh, designers, artists, writers, conceptualists, um, you know, digital people. You know, we have a really, um, cross disciplinary team of creatives and, 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 uh, uh, and strategists that come up with all of our ideas. So yeah, the majority of the elements that you're seeing in the Tokyo street were, um, created from scratch or, or, or designed, um, uh, you know, from, uh, pretty much from the ground up. Um, that said, of course, we had a, a, you know, a great relationship with Toho and you'll hopefully have enjoyed some of the unique and original props that we had in there. Um, but yeah, the, the, the degree of, um, 
bespoke design and customization that went into that space was was pretty epic um right down to you know you know having uh credit card signs in the corner of the shops and and putting you know a little godzilla tail on the letter a of the credit card company and uh the level of detail that we we wanted to put in there was such that um you know one walkthrough would never be enough we wanted every fan that went through that space to see different things and that was certainly what we enjoyed hearing from the fans when they came out they all experienced different things and were debating that did you see this did you see that uh so it was a very very layered approach and obviously um we wanted to have um the experience work on on both levels right we wanted we wanted to make sure that um for the deepest super fan that they would have their passion rewarded with little easter eggs and and clues that only they would spot but also if you're not a super fan you know if you're just a fan of movies generally that you would walk through there and come away with a sense of you know a new sense of respect and reverence for what is undeniably one of the most iconic characters in in global cinema i would also just want to say once i finished going through the the second time as i walked out the back door one of your team was there and i talked with him a little bit just you know kind of explaining who I was and uh, how impressed I was and then what he shot back to me was like so inspiring I I was I don't want to say I was moved to tears but it definitely made my heart soar in a, in a sense because I was like man these guys they not just pulled off this amazing display and this amazing uh, exhibit in in a sense but they also understand what drives us as fans to to really love the Godzilla property Oh, that's great to hear, Kyle. That's great. And, and yeah, I, I, hopefully that comes through as well. You know, hopefully this shows that, you know, legendary are fans, first and foremost. And this is a movie by fans, for fans that, that, that is going to be coming out in, in 2014. And, and, um, you know, I think the legendary ethos of, of, of having a, a respect and a, and a reverence for, um, the, qualities of myth that have made them endure for fans over the years is is what uh really helps um you know uh, set set the work apart from some of the other people in the field and um yeah it's 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 one of the listen this is not it doesn't feel like work when you're creating something like the godzilla right, encounter right. it feels like uh you know you, you're you're getting to um, take something that you're passionate about. You know, I'm, listen, I'm a serious Godzilla fan. You know, I grew up loving the character. You know, I, uh, I you know, I, I fell in love with Mothra when I was 10 years old and never turned back. And, uh, <laughs> uh, getting to do this stuff is, is, is a joy, you know, getting to, getting to do that. And, and that's the other side of the encounter, which was so wonderful is not just presenting the experience, but actually walking the fans through. You know, we wanted to take a lot of time to make sure that it was a curated experience, uh, to make sure that we were uh, not just using it as a space to feed the fans, but also to be fed by the fans, to hear what they liked. What was it about the character that they enjoyed? What was it that Godzilla meant to them? What were their favorite battles? And uh, I think the fact that it was a uh, an experience which sort of um, engendered a two-way conversation with Godzilla fandom is is one of the things that I'm I'm most excited about. Well, it was exciting to go through. I can tell you that. Right. Uh, I just wanted to spend more time than I was allowed, and uh, before they rushed us off into the second half of the exhibit, uh, I guess you'd call it, the encounter. Yes. Uh, how how did that come about? I mean, I think pretty much everybody who listens to the show they know what it is. There's an exhibit essentially Tokyo Street. 
And then yep. everyone gets whisked away into this control room where they get to essentially and eventually encounter Godzilla. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, obviously I can say less about the second half. Of, of course, of course. <laughs> it's, you know, it's designed to be, um, you know, just a, a, the briefest of glimpses of, of where the 2014 uh, movie is, is going. Um, but also, you know, it, it's something that I think is much more powerful if it's experienced rather than, than explained. Um, but yeah, the second half of the experience is really about you know, you, you've gone on this journey through this Tokyo street and you've, um, hopefully experienced this sense of, um, you know, the myth being reignited. You've gone on this journey and you understand, uh, you know, hopefully a little bit more about the, uh, the, the legacy and the history of the character. Um, and then at that point we have this, um, ringing civil defense emergency siren that, that rings out, um, which adds this sudden very dramatic twist to the experience and what, People up until that point thought was a, you know, an innovative, uh, uh, interactive museum uh, style exhibit, uh, becomes something much more uh, kinetic and visceral and cinematic. Uh, and fans get to go on this, uh, you know, five minute, um, uh, uh, journey through, um, uh, through a series of, uh, set pieces, um, and get just a, a first glimpse of what it might be like to, to come face to face with the King of the Monsters. I definitely watched the video that Legendary posted today right. that had uh, right. the cast and, and director going through. And when Gareth Edwards said that, you know, there were set pieces in, in there, I kind of like did a double take and was like, oh, I didn't realize that I should have spent more time in there. Of course, yeah, I, I couldn't it, have spent it, more time in some ways. You know, I, I, that's something that I'm really proud of as well. You know, I love the fact that a lot of fans were, who went through the experience won't realize that in that moment they were actually standing on a, a set from the new movie. Um, and I think that probably speaks to the intensity and the sense of immersion that fans weren't stepping out of it to think, ah, oh, how did this come together? And what are these pieces? They were just living, uh, you know, their own kind of Godzilla encounter at that moment and swept up in the, you know, the fear and the excitement, um, as this, this giant creature closed in on them. So, that's really cool. And yeah, I mean, the video that, that, that we posted today was was really fun. Uh, we were thrilled to be able to share that with the fans. When we got to take uh, Gareth Edwards and the cast through, it was uh, it was a thrill to see um, to see their reaction. Um, and I have to say, I got a real kick out of Gareth's line, which I thought was very humorous when he said, uh, uh, someone should make a movie out of that. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty humorous <laughs> way of reacting uh, to the whole experience. I just really just want to wrap up by just saying thank you so much. And to you, please, if you, if your team doesn't know it, the Godzilla fans that were able to experience it, and I'm sure the, the, the rest of the, uh, the people that went through the encounter, uh, I know that I went with some Godzilla fans and some other Godzilla fans that went as well. Uh, we were blown away by what you guys did. And it's, uh, it not only was impressive, not only was immersive, but it was just really touching to see someone else put that kind of time and effort and, and attention to detail into something that we as fans often feel gets overlooked by mainstream media, to be perfectly honest. So it's, was really really great to see to see it in person man that's terrific Kyle that's that's so great to hear you know thank you and and, and thank you uh, to everyone who came down uh, to to the Godzilla encounter ultimately everything you just said is is why we do it and I guess uh I'll just finish up by by saying hopefully you and I can get together and eat in uh, Shindo's Ronman house at some point you never know you never know Kyle it's it's a date it's a date <laughs> awesome. I know there's no concrete plans or anything like that, but I hope that uh, San Diego isn't the only place that gets to see the Godzilla encounter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, there's nothing to announce there. Um, this was absolutely designed as an exclusive experience for Comic-Con 2013. Um, but hey, you know Godzilla. You never know when he's going to rise again. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Barnaby Leg, thank you so much for joining us here on the Kaiju Cast. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about the Godzilla encounter. Pleasure, Kyle. Thank you. And now, what were we talking about, Joshua and I? Ah, yes. The rest of the episode. Time warp. Of course, we're talking about the Godzilla encounter, yep. which was set up on uh, J Street, like somewhere. Yeah, uh, oh, I have this committed to my, my mind. It's it's uh, J Street and 7th, or 7th, 7th Street and J Avenue, I think. It's a corner. Let's just say 7th and J and then yeah, leave it at that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh it was essentially I'm I'm guessing it was a warehouse that was taken over by this team of people from uh essentially from legendary pictures and they built a museum sort of street of Tokyo sort of display in this main front room which was jaw-droppingly amazing. Oh, God, yes. And I, oh, my gosh, it was so good. I count myself lucky. I'm not trying to make the listeners jealous. That's not my intent here. But I count myself very lucky that they put this on and that I was able to go through twice. Yep. I know people that went through way more than twice, so I'm a little jealous of them. But yeah, uh, I got I got three passes in just because they weren't really checking tickets at one point. Yeah, but so I, and, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about each and every little tiny thing that was in here. But to nutshell it for the listeners out there, if you haven't seen it, I'll provide some links in the show notes to some walkthroughs that you could have that you could have uh, viewed online. Mm-hmm. You go in. They've got uh, this Tokyo street set up, and the the street is set up with these tiny little shops. There's a a fake ramen shop. There's a fake uh, manga store. There's a fake. Uh, there's a all TV sorts shop. of stuff. A TV shop. Yeah. That's what it is. Tanaka's yeah. TV shop. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of photos from it on my on the Facebook page. There's a gallery called uh, Godzilla Encounter. Anyway, they they have all these things on display. They actually have the oxygen destroyer on display they actually have i know it was amazing i never thought i'd see that in person um and they had the uh 2000 suit on display like behind a cool like chain link fence they had the the tv shop had a whole bunch of tvs that were showing like little clips and little you know verbiage coming up and stuff they had a huge mural that was sort of like street art style mural of eiji subaraya yeah. Um, the ramen shop had, uh, it wasn't real, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have definitely bought some ramen there. They had these yeah. cool, uh, the, the menus, every single item on the menu was related to Godzilla. Um, yeah, that's I, great. yeah and, uh, they had, you know, this cool mural, uh, there's a picture up on the wall of the, of the ramen shop that was like a Japanese sea, like sort of Hokusai style print. But in the background of it was Monster Island. And then the, the manga room had, this crazy tornado of comics and a whole bunch oh, of yeah. cool like collectibles on display. Uh, they also had two maquettes of concept art for the new Godzilla. Yeah, they had two. They had the two full body ones, and they had the fate, the head. Oh, that's like, right. They yeah. had the head too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, like I took pictures of a whole bunch of stuff in there, but I didn't get a photo of the uh, <laughs> of the maquettes. Which was like ridiculous. And then they, they rush you into this room and it's all of a sudden you're, you know, while you're in the Tokyo street, they're sort of explaining things to you about Godzilla, about the suit that's there. And, uh, and then all of a sudden the sirens start going off and you hear noises and they rush you into this control room where you have to start pressing a whole bunch of buttons. And I, that's when they were like, no cameras, no cameras. So 
Yeah, the whole, uh, whole time they're telling you it's like no cameras. Like, first thing they do is they push you through a quote-unquote decontamination chamber. You get blasted with steam, you know, and then they push you into the control room and they're like, you know, they, they start asking people to just kind of an interactive portion, like hit these switches, push that button, you there, please, you know, do this. But the whole time, every other word they're saying is no cameras, which is, you know, obviously, duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was fun. I mean, it was cool to cool to see and stuff but in but that whole thing with pressing the buttons mm-hmm. it was honestly like kind of the, <laughs> the lamest part of the whole thing <laughs> it sort of took me out of the experience the fact that they're yeah. just like press any button every button like we're gotta find him and they've basically got this giant map on the wall with like a, a green ping coming out of the yeah. uh out of the san diego bay essentially the, the best way i can describe that part of the experience is to anybody who's been to like universal studios when they do like those like those backlot studio tours where they kind of like make people walk into it feel like they're part of the movie experience, it's kind of like that. Oh, okay, gotcha. Of. Yeah, gotcha. it's very much like that. Yeah, it was still cool. Been, yeah. It was yeah, still it was cool. cool, and it was well done. I mean, the whole thing is very, very well done. I'm oh, not yeah. even kidding. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, almost, is or been able to experience in my life. So uh, then they rush you into an elevator. They say, "He's here. He's here. We got to get out of here. We got to get to the roof." So you get into this elevator and the elevator uh, begins to take you to the roof mm-hmm. in air quotes. Uh, and then um, because it's and actually one of the times that I was in the elevator, uh, one of the guides, you know, the guys that's talking was like, yeah, cause the safest place in, in an emergency situation is the <laughs> elevator. Right guys. And like, yep. yeah, uh, um, the, the attention to detail of that was great because right next to the doors, there's a monitor up on the roof or on the ceiling that, that shows like the cables of an elevator descending or ascending. I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the elevator stops working. The doors open. There's some military guys in this architect style office. And they're like, everybody okay in here? Shining flashlights in your face. They're like, bring you out of the elevator. And in this architect-style office, there are these gigantic, you know, skyscraper-style windows that are essentially, you know, back into reality. These are essentially giant TV screens. Every panel is is like a TV screen. And then they have, uh, like, the Venetian blinds in front of them. So there's things are still a little obscured out the window. But it's pouring out rain and uh, and you're Lightning going everywhere. Yeah, you're. It's a storm. Yeah, I want to say you you're somewhere like up on the twenty fifth floor or something like that in this in this yeah. building that's an actual two story building, if that. <laughs> and uh, and and what ends up happening is Godzilla comes by the window and uh, it is so awesome yeah. to see, like so cool. The whole time, the guys are like, "Everybody, be quiet, be quiet." You know, maybe he'll just get by us, and then, then he walks by, and and there's sort of like, the actors are brought, breathing a sigh of relief, and then they say, "Okay, I think he's gone," and then he sort of rears his head up, and uh, roars, and then, yeah. oh my gosh, it's so he cool. He starts looking in at the window. Those big, those two big red eyes of his. He's just staring straight into you. And then he rips off that roar and he walks off to the right. And it's, oh, it's crazy. I was, I immediately reverted to being a 10 year old. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think my first time going through, everybody cheered. Yeah. Everybody went nuts. And then the second time I went through, the time when I was like trying to take my time a little bit, hanging back so I didn't get rushed into the elevator yeah. like as soon. And like, 
Um, there were there were, people weren't as enthusiastic as the first group that I went with, but yeah. it was a lot of fun and it was so cool. And I am not kidding when I say it is definitely one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life as a massive Godzilla fan. Yeah, uh, and here. again, I mean, no not, embarrassment because I really don't care. Everybody I know knows I'm a big fan of this. I walked out of this thing; there were tears. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> nice. Just like holy, I was so overwhelmed by it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm in my 30s and I'm witnessing. And the birth of a new Godzilla in my lifetime, and I just flipped out, and it was just, it was amazing, it was crazy. And then you know they walk you down, they thank you for being part of the experience, and they start handing out the posters. Yeah, yeah. So everybody gets like a little, uh, everybody gets like a little eleven by seventeen, I think, yeah. poster of the of the Mondo print. So that was really cool. I I was really happy about that. Let's let's talk a little bit about the design that we saw inside of the encounter, though the the one that walked by the windows. How yes. did that? How did that work for you as a Godzilla design? Um, I I really didn't hate it all that much. He looks very because I had a conversation with my cousin about this when I got back because we were talking about how he looks and the conclusion that we came to is that if we were just to transpose, let's say, the Heisei Godzilla into this movie, he looks kind of cute to be a to be a threat anymore. My fiance affectionately refers to him as Catzilla because of the kind of a mammalian pug nosey thing he has going on. He's a very reptilian. A cool, like big hulking look to him. He doesn't look lumbering. He looks threatening, is what he looks like. And he's very reptilian. Um, I think who, somebody recently put out a con, uh, a sketch of concept art. I think I know Matt Frank did one. I think Bob Eggleston did one too, not too long ago. And it's just like it's he's got kind of a small face, but it's very he's the best way I can put it is that is functional. He doesn't look he doesn't look ridiculous, and he doesn't look kind of comical. He looks very feral. He looks very menacing, and I, I like I like his design. I like where they're going with it. That's what they're going to do with it. Um, his neck is a little thick for me. Like he he looks kind of like a marine iguana in that in that regard. But I mean, again, you know, it's, it's they're going for realism as much as can be attributed to a Godzilla monster. I, I really enjoyed the look. I mean, for me, like um, there were a couple of people online that were sort of. Uh, I'll just say the nicest way I could say is they weren't sold on the design. And they were mostly looking at the maquettes that they had. And I will totally say right here and now of the maquettes that I saw on display down in the uh, encounter and the photos that I saw of those maquettes absolutely do not look... They look a little similar, but they don't look like the, what we saw on the screen. Yeah. And I know that it, you know a lot of people went through this and the, the guys were like, well, that's not exactly what Godzilla is going to look like in the movie. Um, yeah. but if Godzilla looked like he did in the encounter, I would be totally fine with that. Like if you take yeah. what we saw in the encounter and marry it to what we saw in the panel teaser trailer, mm. I'm happy. Like color me happy, except for maybe the foot, but whatever. <laughs> like the I foot. think I said this, I think I said this to you at the experience, the, um, the maquettes look, they're not a very good rep representation of how he looks, but they look like where his look from the, uh, from the, from the encounter it, it looks like that's what the, it came from. Like, they look at the concept of what he is now. It, it doesn't seem like it's a final design, because it really isn't. It just, there's no way you can make, you can put final design on that. But I, 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 I don't hate his look at all. I think it's very, it's, it's nice and modern, and it, it goes with the movie, and the, the, the sign of the times. Yeah. At movies. And it's kind of like a James Bond thing. And I, I equate Godzilla to James Bond all the time. You can pick a new actor for James Bond or redesign him all you want. Nobody's going to like how it comes out. There's not going to be a unanimous decision about how he's going to look. I mean, people think the 64 suit's the best. Some people think the 91. Some people think the 81. Or sorry, the 81. The 84. Sorry. Yeah. 
But and like, like I, with with yeah. all of the different suit designs that we have mm-hmm. for for the Japanese Godzilla, even with those in mind, or I don't know, maybe even despite those, you didn't look at what Legendary gave us for the Godzilla encounter and say, eh, "Doesn't look like Godzilla, right?" Oh, I mean, no. no, no. There's, there's, there's. You look at that design, you know exactly what you're looking at. That's pretty much all I was looking for from from their design. Yeah. Totally. Like I, I look at this thing and I'm like, this is good. there's no question in my mind. This is Godzilla. It's not like the 98 one when he showed up and I'm like, really? That's that's supposed to be Godzilla, you know? But no, it's like you look at him and you know that that's who he is. Like you could, you could honestly, I think the way I put it best with talking to a friend of mine is you could go into that uh, that trailer or just that part of the trailer where they show him and not know what you're looking at, like not know that you're in a Godzilla experience, and then deduce to yourself that you're looking at Godzilla, which is totally fine by me, because that's what I want. Yeah, I would agree with that, for sure. I mean, Godzilla, it looks like a Godzilla, and seeing the 98 version, like, that didn't look like Godzilla. It didn't, and then, of course, it didn't act like Godzilla. So, Mm -hmm. with what we saw, I'm pretty sure that we're going to be pretty happy as Godzilla fans. Obviously, not everybody's going to be happy, but I am definitely looking forward to it. I look forward to camping up for that movie, just like we did the panel. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank goodness I'm not going to have to camp out uh, for Hall H line anymore. Oh, yeah, definitely. Until the sequel. (laughs) Have you read the... uh... The idea he's had for that, he's already talking about it. I have, yes. Uh, I I have to say that if a sequel gets made and he gets to pursue his destroy all monsters dream, as long as this, you know, the original movie was good, then I will be totally on board with that. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, is there like anything else you wanted to say about the encounter, about the the entire experience of being at Comic Con this year that maybe would help some fans either be ready for what's coming or uh, maybe answer some questions that they might have? Not really. I, not really just questions because a lot of the things I'm seeing are people just raging about the fact that nobody's made that that footage public yet. But the best thing I can really say for people is to just people who are who are worried about the because the big problem seems to be it's going to be people just concerned with his design don't worry about it that's that's the best thing i'm going to say just coming from from a guy who's been following this big lizard practically my whole life i saw my first movie in, in 84 uh, i'll just i'll just say it with the utmost confidence myself it's like don't worry about the design, the design the, the, his, he looks great he looks like godzilla should he moves like godzilla should gareth edwards seems to really be passionate about this he, he keeps referring to this movie as a big budget art house film like a passion project so clearly he's got something invested in this <laughs> as a matter of fact he was threatened by customs agents in canada not to mess it up yeah so, that was awesome <laughs> that was cool i do want to say that because of godzilla's own inherent hype don't go into it expecting the world because it's i mean it's just i mean I, I, that's the best way i can put it it's going to be a godzilla movie it's going to be big monster trashing cities destroying other monsters it's the, all the tropes of a godzilla movie are there so as long as those are done right you really shouldn't have too much to worry about well i think i i definitely echo that sentiment and i'm i'm going into 2014 very excited for what comes out and hopefully we get to get some good information uh about that that would be awesome well joshua thank you so much for hanging out man and once again tell people where they can find you um okay you guys you want to find me i'm at joshua evo on twitter i am also the co-host of incoductic.com i-n-c-o-d-u-c-t-i-c we just talk about random stuff we update every wednesday we just have a grand old time talking about nerd stuff and right now i do everything nerd stuff yeah check us out very cool man well uh i will talk to you soon and and thank you so much thanks for having me on man jamata